Hey there, this is Rachel, Program Director at Strong Towns, and I'm here to introduce our newest Strong Towns podcast, The Bottom Up Revolution. If you ever listened to my former colleague Jacob's show, It's the Little Things, this is similar. Our new podcast will feature the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I've got a huge list of fascinating, inspiring people to interview and several that I've already had the chance to talk to for this. You'll be hearing from a community advocate who's starting a shared retail and dining space for budding entrepreneurs. You'll learn from neighbors who are working to stop a highway expansion and instead create a people-focused parkway. You'll hear from a Strong Towns member who's working with churches to help them make better use of their space and serve their neighborhoods, and a lot more to come. I hope this podcast will show you more than anything that you can get started building strong towns in your community right now. You know, this is feedback that we got from a lot of you on that podcast survey that we deployed a couple of months ago. Um, Thank you again to everyone who filled that out. We heard from so many of you that you want more examples and ideas for how to build strong towns where you live. So this podcast is that. We are handing that to you. That's what the Bottom Up Revolution is all about. You're about to hear our first episode, but before we get to that, let me invite you to just do a quick search for The Bottom-Up Revolution in your podcast app and subscribe so that you can stay in the loop with new episodes. Also, if you have any feedback for me on this, please get in touch by emailing rachel at strongtowns.org. That's R-A-C-H-E-L at strongtowns.org. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And here's the show. everyone. Welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. I'm your host, Rachel Quedno, and today's episode features one of my friends from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Alexander Hagler. Alex and I met because we were on the board of a local group trying to found a neighborhood credit union, which is a very interesting story for another time. But in the process of being part of that group together, I also got to learn about Alex's urban gardening, his education work, and his commitment to his neighborhood and his city of Milwaukee. Alex is one of those people who just exemplifies local empowerment and can-do spirit. Recognizing that his community in the River West and Harambe neighborhoods of Milwaukee was not being well served by things like fresh food access and other important resources for healthy living, Alex founded a store called Center Street Wellness, which sells products for mental and physical well-being, mostly from local makers. The shop gives him a chance to craft a business around something that he cares deeply about, as well as a chance for local, small-scale entrepreneurs to sell their wares in a storefront, something that most do not otherwise get to do. Alex believes that anyone with a passion and dedication to something can turn it into a business, provided that they put in the time and connect with others in their community who can partner with them for success. At Strong Towns, we believe that by seeing a need in your neighborhood and stepping up to try and fill it, you can take the incremental steps to build prosperity from the bottom up. There might be challenges along the way, as we'll see in this conversation, but Alex proves that heart and authentic devotion to your community will enable persistence. So let's get to the interview. All right. So Alex Hagler, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast hosted by Strong Towns. To start with, 
can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the neighborhood or the community that you live in? I live in uh, River West right now, River West, Milwaukee. Uh, River West is uh, a bit of a, an eclectic neighborhood. And so I, I fit right in here. I feel at home. Um, I was born and raised on the north side of Milwaukee, but I moved to the east side uh, when I started going to college over at UW-Milwaukee. And then I kind of just landed in River West after that and been here ever since. You know, I really like it. It's a lot of good energy. Um, we, we have a lot of great events each year. Obviously, this year has been a little different. You know, it's been a good time, you know, living here in River West. Awesome. So I know that you've done a lot of different things with your life, but most recently you have started this business, Center Street Wellness. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you started it? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's really kind of a culmination of, you know, my life up until this point. Uh, I just turned 30 this year, by the way. So, uh, you know, I'm kind Congrats. of, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm actually feeling great about it. You know, I know some people like to, you know, scoff at aging, but uh, I'm really excited to not be in my 20s anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, my whole life I was an athlete. I, I uh, ran track. I played football in the park. I played organized sports like wrestling in high school. I also uh, wrestled in college as well. And so I've always just been active and very, you know, I guess uh, fitness has been a big part of my life. But then I started to have some injuries. Um, I, I, I got hit by a dump truck uh, when oh, I was yeah. on my bike. Yeah, that was that was crazy. And then even before that, I had an accident where I fell from a pretty high height. I, mean, I landed, you know, pretty rough and messed up my back real bad. I really kind of had to be aware of my body in ways that I had never had to be aware of before. I always say that I was I was put back into my body through those experiences, just being so young. You know, I'm always just running around. I'm real fast paced. But that really slowed me down and made me really think about the fragility of my body. And then, you know, it was a very emotional and mental experience, too. I was real stressed out. I was a little depressed over it, not being able to just get up and go run. You know, that was the first time in my life I had never just been able to just go do something. So it was a whole thing. I had to reflect on my uh, physicality. I had to reflect on my emotional health, my mental health, all that awareness coming into my life. That's really where the wellness part kind of started in my life. You know, that's because that's what wellness is really about. It's about an awareness of one's health and the intersectionality of health in one's environment. And so, you know, I, I'd also been kind of combining that with, you know, a bit of a social mission that I had been living for the last 10 years. You know, I take part in community education. I ran a couple of youth programs, mainly around gardening, because I really believe that knowing where your food comes from and what you put in your body is really important, um, especially for those of us in black and brown communities where we don't necessarily always, you know, have that access to, you know, the whole foods brands and the highly organic foods you know, I always, you know, what am I going to do with my life? I was in education for a while, but I had just started this entrepreneur experience. Um, I actually create some of my own wellness products, some herbal blends that my brother and I create. And so it was all of this, all of these, just, you know, all of these factors, all of these experiences just kind of culminated into Center Street Wellness. And, you know, it's like, I want to, obviously I want to contribute to my community, but how do I do that? It's uh, increasing access to health and wellness and advocating for health and wellness and being a part of that exploration that people go through, learning about different, you know, herbs, different foods, different diets, different exercises, different mental uh, meditative techniques and how that can really play a part in your health. That's uh, kind of how Synergy Wellness came to be. You have like a storefront business, right, in your neighborhood. 
although I know you've had to transition some stuff to online right now. How did you choose the location and how do you see the store as being really connected to the community? Well, the reason I had the store on MLK and Center right in Harambe is that's where I had did a lot of my work as a community organizer. Um, I was a farm manager for an organization called Victory Garden Initiative. Again, that's where uh, I did work around community education, youth programs, uh, teaching kids, you know, how to garden. Um, and then we would kind of go around the neighborhood and sell vegetables to families and just kind of giving them almost an entrepreneurship experience themselves. Being a part of the community uh, in that way, you know, it was very full circle to kind of, you know, then go and start a business in a storefront in, in the same community because, you know, now I'm tackling the same issue, but from the other side of the coin and, you know, not through nonprofit, but through business enterprise. And, you know, that was a bit of a different experience, but the goal is still the same. The goal is to help others increase the quality of their lives, particularly uh, in our community, black and brown community, you know, in Milwaukee, both here on the north side and south side. But I do a lot of my, my work uh, here on the north side. It was much needed. We live in the food desert, uh, not a lot of access to uh, healthy foods, although we did have Pete's Fruit Market move in uh, not too long ago. So that's been nice. It was very much you know, needed and very much appreciated as well. A lot of folks you know, really like that we, that we moved in to storefront. That's awesome. So how does someone without, I'm assuming like millions of dollars, start a business? That sounds really intimidating to me. Like, getting the space and the products and like just figuring all that out. How did you go about that? And I mean, no, it's like a really long process, I'm sure, but like briefly. No, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I had been involved in a couple other endeavors before that and just made, you know, not a lot of money, but some and able to invest. But certainly, you know, you know, to, to your point, not enough to start, you know, a whole business just on my own. And so the key was collaboration and collective economics. What I've done is to partner with over 20 different vendors throughout the city, all health and wellness makers, people who make candles, people who make their own soaps, people who make their own, you know, aromatherapies, uh, herbal supplements, all of the different uh, kind of categories in a health and wellness store you could think of. We, we have a lot of that right here in Milwaukee. And so, you know, I think the traditional way would be to go on to a distributor's catalog and to order wholesale. But what I did was I reached out to all of these vendors and along with them, we all partnered uh, on this uh, store together where um, we placed product in the store on consignment rather than through wholesale. And that, you know, that way it was a low barrier to entry for me. I didn't have to uh, shell out a lot of money that I didn't really have anyway. And it ended up being a great uh, mutual benefit because a lot of the vendors here in the city, a lot of health and wellness makers here in Milwaukee, you know, they, it's, it might be a side gig, they do it out of their house, or it's a small enterprise, they, you know, they're not like necessarily in a lot of stores, and many weren't in, not in a store at all. And so uh, Center Street Wellness was the first storefront that a lot of their products was placed into. And so it was a way for other entrepreneurs in Milwaukee to elevate their brand and make it more visible in a way that they hadn't had it before. And so the collaboration was key in making the whole thing work. Yeah, oh, that's a really cool business model. So how have you responded to the circumstances brought about by the pandemic? I know you kind of shut down for a little bit to transition to an online store. I know that you um, maybe were planning to do like events and workshops and things. Have you been able to do those? Like how, how has it impacted you? Yeah, I mean, the pandemic's been real rough. Uh, we were shut down for several months, obviously, early, earlier this year during our uh, Wisconsin Safer at Home order. 
it was a little hard. It was it was bittersweet because one, you know, I personally did wanted to protect myself, but at the same time, for for our business to not be deemed essential, I think just goes to show the value in our society um, where alcohol stores are. You know, they increased their sales and had store hours all day. But you know, for us, you know, having to shut down and then get back on our feet in June, you know, it was really rough. Uh, you know, we we had a wellness studio as well as a retail space. In our wellness studio, we had to cancel pretty much all of our events, all of our classes. Instead, what uh, we did was we organized several events um, outside in a park where it was a little, yeah, it was a little more comfortable, a little bit more appropriate. Um, we were able to do that several times throughout the summer. Um, however, we're not doing that right now because it's getting a little cold out and uh, might not be conducive. And so I'm not exactly sure if we're going to be doing that in an indoor space yet. We did shut down the the storefront and have transitioning. We're transitioning online now because you know that's kind of the uh, the new way to go. You know, a lot of folks are going to be staying at home more. They're working from home more, so they're ordering things from their computer. Just being able to evolve and to adapt to that is just you know there's just no way but forward, and that's just what we're doing. So hopefully, um, the future holds a little bit more promise. I know the COVID situation is very uh, precarious right now, and it. it doesn't look good. So I hats off to anybody in retail right now. It's got to be really tough. So, but yeah, with that, again, uh, pretty much transitioning online and, uh, you know, expanding into other endeavors as well. So I know that you do some of your own farming or, you know, small scale growing on your own time or like on the side. Tell me about that as well. I started gardening almost 10 years ago. Um, and, I, and then I, for a couple of, uh, a couple of my jobs had to do with farming. I was a farm manager again for Victory Garden Initiative. It's a small uh, acre and a half kind of micro farm here in the city uh, in Harambe. Um, and so I got a lot of experience there growing food. And then I, I started growing hot peppers about five years ago. In fact, there was a, a man uh, who, make, who made his own hot sauce and sold it locally, uh, Byron Jackson. He came to me and asked if I could grow him some hot peppers. He wants to source them locally. And I was like, well, I've never done it, but you know, I'll do it. Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll learn. And he was going to pay me to do it. So it, it worked out great. You know, the, he would process the peppers into his hot sauce that he would sell. It's called Man's Best Friend. It was really cool. He had like the Great Dane. He had Pitbull. He had Rottweiler. It was all these different sauce flavors. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And so, you know, I had been growing hot peppers for, for several years, as well as other vegetables that I just like to eat myself. But he had passed, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, I was still growing hot peppers, uh, but, you know, I had a lot of them. And I didn't know what to do with them. And so he kind of inspired me uh, to really kind of take my, you know, you know, shoot my shot at the whole hot sauce thing. And so lately, my gardening partner, Matt, and I, we uh, processed them into a fermented pepper mash that we then uh, used to make fermented hot sauce as well. As, oh. uh, yeah. And we also do some seasoning blends, too. So we've been harvesting pretty heavily this last month. And so that's kind of been the new hustle, you know, I mean, Center Street Wellness, we closed our doors and we're transitioning to online, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm always moving forward. I'm always trying to find, you know, how I can always, you know, just find the next hustle and uh, continue to remain self-determined. Yeah, I see that. Do you grow outside or is that inside? It's, it's outside. Yeah. So we, uh, we utilize a vacant lot um, that has been that was utilized as a farm for the last 10 years. And so we were lucky. It was a friend of mine. He is he's been growing on this lot for uh, many years. And then he moved out of town uh, to pursue a Ph.D. Uh, shout out to Nick DeMarsh, by the way. So he had left behind a good, good amount of soil 
that he had built up over the years. And then in addition to that, we brought in uh, many yards of Blue Ribbon Organics, which is a uh, organic composter down in okay. uh, near Racine, Wisconsin. They uh, collect some of the food scraps in Milwaukee area from restaurants and from um, grocery stores and from residential uh, houses as well. And then they uh, process that back into just black gold organic soil that we then use to grow more uh, food here in Milwaukee. So it's it's been a really good experience being able to do that, growing it outside. It's, it's pretty hard because hot peppers, you know, Wisconsin isn't their, their favorite place to be. But, you know, with with some knowledge and some experiences, you find ways to, uh, you know, make it successful. So do you have any advice for other people who might be listening and want to start their own business or help support other local businesses or makers in their community in some way? Um, yeah. Any yeah. advice to share? Oh, totally. I mean, um, you know, right now to be an entrepreneur, I think a lot of people think that it's about taking a leap of faith and just jumping out and just quitting their day job and, you know, risking it all. And, you know, in many ways that is, that is very scary. And in many ways that is the case. Uh, you know, if, if you, if you have a very secure day job and what you're trying to do, um, you know, you're not sure if it's going to work or not, that can be scary. But for many people who, especially, you know, in jobs that, uh, due to COVID, you know, are quickly eliminated, you know, and that, you know, many jobs were eliminated. Many people have gotten some jobs back, but, you know, with the way things are going, it looks like we might be headed for another shutdown. And that means a lot of other jobs, uh, again, might be eliminated. And so if you think of it that way, you know, jumping out and being an entrepreneur versus remaining to look for a day job, uh, it, it can be equally as risky, right? I mean, this economy is so shaky right now. So, you know, it it's almost counterintuitive because right now it, it seems not like the time to not have a job. It's, you know, if you if you have a job right now, you feel blessed. But at the same time, in, in some weird way, it's almost the perfect time to jump out and uh, become an entrepreneur and, you know, try to become more self-determined, especially as we've come to understand that this political economic structure we have in this country uh, is not looking out for our best interests. And so why are we, you know, looking out for it? Right. So it's, it's not that hard of a process. I think a lot of folks uh, feel stuck. They don't know where to begin. Um, the, be, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, you know, forming a business can be daunting, but, you know, take it one step at a time, learn, learn what it means to file your papers to become an LLC. You know, what is the difference between an LLC and, an, and a corporation or sole proprietorship, uh, you know, tax wise, legal wise, you know, do a little bit of that research. It's not, it's not, it's pretty straightforward. Um, it's not really hard, but you just have to sit down and kind of like read up on it. And then obviously, you know, just do what you love to do. I know that there was a, a, an entrepreneur, Tim Ferriss. He's a kind of a popular uh, writer, uh, speaker. He talks about, you know, if you're going to start a business, start a business that you use, right? So one thing is I, I use a lot of herbal supplements. I like health and wellness products. And so I went into a business doing that because that's what I know. Um, I love I love hot sauce. I love gardening. And so I got into a business where I'm gardening my own hot peppers and processing them, processing them into my own hot sauce and then selling that. And so, you know, just do what you love and then sit down and just, you know, do your due diligence and read a little bit and reach out to a lot of the resources. I know here in Milwaukee specifically, I will say that there are a number of programs and initiatives that help people uh, either start a business or take their young business and scale it up. Uh, and move forward with that. I know Brew City Match is a is a really great one. 
Uh, the Blueprint with Young Enterprise Society is another program that's coming out. They're actually accepting another cohort uh, with a twenty thousand uh, dollar prize for grant money. So just reach out for those re- resources. Uh, be, get creative. It's not a one track linear process. There's a million ways to be an entrepreneur. Um, and one thing I'll end with is a good friend of mine. I saw uh, he posted a uh, something on his Facebook a while back. Uh, his, his name is Truman McGee. He's the founder and owner of a Funky Fresh Spring Rolls um, here in Milwaukee, a very popular uh, spring roll company here. He says that being an entrepreneur means working 100 hours a week for yourself so that you never have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. Now, you know, obviously that's not, you know, maybe 100 hours a week might be hyperbolic. But, you know, at the end of the day, that there, there's some truth to it. You're bottom lining every aspect of your business, um, you know, from payroll to uh, insurance to, you know, your state and use your sales and use taxes, accounting, opening up and closing the store. If, if a storefront is what you're going to have. Um, there's so many aspects, social media advertising. There's you got the bottom line, everything. And so getting into business, just understand how comprehensive uh, your effort is going to have to be uh, to be successful because it, it, you know, it's not rocket science, but you, you know, it's not, you know, you, you, like I said, you have to have a little bit of a initiative to, um, you know, make sure it's successful. Well, Alex Hegler, thank you so much. Alex is the founder of Center Street Wellness, which you can learn more about by visiting centerstreetwellness.com. And I'll put that link in the show notes. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to share your insights and to just share your story with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all that you do and everything that Strong Towns does. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Strong Towns. They put out a lot of great information. So thank you. Well, thanks. Awesome. All right. Take care, Alex. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alex. I especially appreciated his encouragement and enthusiasm when it comes to taking the initiative to follow your passion and really to use it to serve others, even when the road ahead looks challenging. I hope it's an inspiration to you as you think about making your own town stronger during this difficult year and in the years to come. We can't wait for outside people to come in and save our neighborhoods. It's time to step up and do it ourselves. So now let's switch gears slightly and hear from a bottom-up revolution listener who's taking action to make their community stronger. This voicemail comes from Sam in Kitchener, Ontario. Hello, Strong Towns. My name is Sam Navi. I'm calling from Kitchener, Ontario, and uh, I have a story about a project I've been involved in in my hometown, um, which is called the Goggle Street Greenway. Um, So in our downtown area, we have a a small side street called Gockel Street. Um, It's only two blocks long. One block was adjacent to the big bus terminal downtown. And that bus terminal was closed and the the transit system was um, redeployed in a new network. And so that that land is no longer being used. The second block has been under construction for more than a year and a half um, as a staging area for a new condo development. And so as this road is essentially being useless for cars, um, a group of community members and business owners and artists have come together to uh, think about how we can reuse that space. And this street, Goggle Street, connects our main downtown park with City Hall. We had many conversations with city staff and with um, our political leaders 
and managed to secure some grants to um, have a temporary pop-up uh, festival on that street. And we brought in some theater performances and we brought in a basketball court. And um, that was a, a fun one-time event about a year ago. And now we're in October 2020. And uh, this past summer, the street has been blocked off to cars and has picnic tables uh, for people to have socially distanced um, eating and gathering opportunities to get takeout from local businesses and to use the street as a big uh, common public space. The construction for the condo is still going on on one block of the street and when that's finished uh, the city has agreed to uh, make the closure permanent and um, we're going to have a, a pedestrian public space uh, that used to be a, a side street um, in our downtown core. So um, this was a really positive experience and um, I advocated it, it, uh, for it from my role as a, a business owner downtown, but uh, also the neighborhood associations got involved, artists got involved, and we did a great thing to create some, some good public space for the community. Um, so that's a positive story I want to share. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Sam, thanks so much for sharing that story. We might have to have you back on the podcast to talk more about that soon. For all our listeners and Strongtown's action takers, please send your own voicemails in by recording a short memo on your phone and make sure to include your name and where you live. Then email it to rachel at strongtowns.org. Strongtowns is a member-supported organization. We simply could not be where we are in this movement without you all. If you're taking action to make your city stronger, will you also take a small step to help this nonprofit keep working to serve you and provide great resources like this podcast? Head to strongtowns.org membership to sign up today. Memberships start as low as $5 a month, and we thank you so much for your support. We're planning a lot of really exciting stuff for 2021, really shifting our movement and helping more and more to have people like you take action. Um, and we want to be able to keep serving you, creating those resources, connecting you with other members. So please join at strongtowns.org slash membership today. We'll see you back here for more of the Bonhoeff Revolution on our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thank you.